Well, the boards of elders of Beth Tacoon are gathered here around the table this evening as we begin a meeting. And uh, in 17 months, I'll be retiring and uh, be passing the burden of, of leadership and eldership to these men who I trust and love, these brothers. But I want to share with them things I wish I had known 25 years ago, and even before that, when I was an elder in the church, and then an elder in the church before that, and just kind of stumbled and slouched my way to the point where I am now. And, um, and so I want to pass on lessons I've learned and from failures and successes and from studying the Word to equip this group of guys, especially this younger generation, who I trust and pray will be here long after us older guys are gone. And, uh, and that Beth Takoon has a long and fruitful future. And so I just want to pass on some lessons. And so I, I wrote down a few remarks, and I'm recording this for two reasons. Number one, so that if the enemy comes along later and says, well, Grant said, well, you can go back and listen to the teaching to see if I actually said that. Mm -hmm. Or failed to say. You can see if I failed to say something. Also, there are other congregations who listen and they're wanting instruction on how to run their home groups, their fellowships, or whatever it may be. So this will be posted on our website so that other people can listen to it and anybody can listen to it. I have nothing to hide in, in the next 30 minutes. So, eldership. Um, I don't have glasses, so I have to make this up as I go. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, I'll take those. In the physical world, sheep and shepherds are different species. Right? That's not, that's not difficult. And in the spiritual world, sheep and shepherds are different spiritual species. Shepherds know how the sheep think, but a shepherd cannot think like a sheep. Shepherds know how sheep behave, but shepherds cannot afford to behave like sheep. And as I use these terms, shepherd and sheep, I'm using the analogy that we find in the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. And it's just simply two different groups of people who are deeply connected Shepherds and sheep. Sheep will not survive without shepherds. But if shepherds do their job right, the sheep will thrive. Healthy shepherds, healthy flock. But we have to remember that this flock is not ours. It's the king's flock. We're shepherds, the king's flock. So how is it, how do we make this transition to begin to think like shepherds. You know, shepherds know their sheep better than the sheep know the sheep. And as you come into this position, I really believe God gives you a supernatural extra level of insight into the people who are looking to you to protect them and guide them. And, um, and count on that, expect that. Because God's not going to call you to do something he's not going to equip you to do. And uh, God's going to equip you guys to do this and has been. 
and um, and I, I but there there's a cost there is a heavy cost to being a shepherd it's a weird thing it truly is because we are not politicians who are called to do the will of the people we need to meet the needs of the people under us but we're not here to do their will we're not politicians we're elders who are here to do the will of God and so however much time you spend in prayer and in study of his word and being quiet I've been loving Steve's book the D60 discipleship book and you emphasize all through that when you get to day whatever it is uh, to take time when you pray just be still and quiet and just listen and uh, that's so valuable we all need to do that more and more and more and um, God's voice I believe can only be heard in silence because it's a thin whisper he doesn't shout he just speaks in a very calm tone of voice it's so easy to ignore so let's develop those spiritual leaders but we're not politicians here to do the will of the people we're here to do the will of God because they're his people he's the king and we need to discern his will of all times and we'll make goofs I've made goofs but we always have to get back up on the bike as Steve said and, and just keep going one of the toughest things I think if there's a big adjustment to make as you begin to think as a shepherd instead of a sheep it's this the moment you cross that line and you take on the responsibility of an elder this one major thing changes and it's this once you become an elder what you want no longer matters it doesn't matter what you feel is of no account just take what you want, what you like, and what you feel, and just put it over in the corner. Because this is what how a disciple, all disciples should be, but especially us as elders. And this is based upon what Yeshua says. I, I, I'm always going back to John. I'm going through John for the umpteenth time and just really reading it slowly like I've never read it before. I, mean, I just finished chapter chapter 8 this morning. But in chapter 5, verse 30, chapter 6, verse 38, Yeshua says the exact same thing, almost with the exact same words. I want you to listen to what he says. This is amazing. He says, I did not come to do my will. Here's the perfect, sinless son of God. You'd think if there's anyone we could trust to do their will, it'd be him. But he says, I didn't come to do my will. Didn't come to do it. But I came to do the will, and one place it says of my Father in heaven, another place it says of the one who sent me. It's the same person. Messiah said, I did not come to do my will. He took his will, he put off in the corner. And then later, of course, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That must always be the attitude of a shepherd at all times. The moment I stepped into this job, it took me a while to realize it. What I want no longer matters. Because I'm a bondservant to the king. I shepherd his flock. All that matters is, what do you want? That's a tough change to make. 
And I still mess it up so often, guys. You know I do. But I still know what the ideal is. The ideal is Messiah. And if we're disciples of Messiah, we live life the way he did. And he made it very clear to us, I don't do my will. If you're going to be my disciple, don't do yours either. Now, if it comes down to whether you want to buy a Chevy or a Ford, I mean, who cares? Pick what you want. But when it comes to shepherding the flock, it's his flock. It's his flock. We have to know what he wants for his flock. Because what he wants is best for the flock. We have to do that. And there are all kinds of things that will come and interfere. All kinds of things. Good things will come and interfere. But we must have a profound fear of God and of missing what he wants. We have to fear him more than we fear each other. So if you have to disagree with something because you know it's not the right way, you must speak up. And I appreciate the courage of the men here who do. You must fear God more than you fear the flock. You have to. And the toughest one, toughest one for me, is to fear God more than I fear my wife. And Robin and I finally had to come to an understanding because sometimes she'd be aware of an issue that we would be discussing and voting on, and she was so hoping it would go a certain way. And there were times when, as elders, we get together, we discuss it, we pray over it, we would finally arrive at what God's will was and make a decision, and then I thought, oh boy, I wonder if Robin's waiting up when I get home to ask how the decision went. And many times I have to say, Robin, I know what you want us to do, but God has led us as a group to do something different. And she just had to learn to deal with that. Just had to learn. And she's got pretty good at it over all these years. But... Um, and even then, there are things sometimes I want. But when I come here, when I submit to you guys, we hear God's voice. I have to put what I want aside. And God speaks to us. That's a tough thing to do, guys. But that's what denying yourself really means. Denying your right to what you want for the sake of what God wants. That's the sacrifice. That's a cross we all have to take up. That's what a disciple does. And we're called to be example setters of disciples. So you guys weren't picked to be on this board by accident because you're all godly men, every one of you. You're all godly men. But it's all up our game. Let's do better in 2021 than we did in 2020. And the next year, do even better. And um, the flock needs us to do that. They need us to be selfless and, and completely God-centered. And with that said, there's one thing I can guarantee over the 25 years I've shepherded Beth DeCoon, I'd say 99% of the pain and aggravation I've experienced all came from the people I was serving. They all came from the people I was serving. Sheep will butt and kick and bite <coughs> the one who's there to serve them. you know that's okay. That gives you an opportunity to live a life like Yeshua. Because the sheep never took me in. 
beat me and bloodied me and nailed me to a cross. They never did that. And if Yeshua could be there with the lifeblood flowing out of his body and say, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Then every one of us can do the same. Because the pain you'll experience as a shepherd will always come from the ones you serve. But with that said, I'm telling you right now, and I think you guys all know this, this flock, this community of Beth Tacoon, is the best one in the world. There's none like it. And I think we can all brag on it. And if you love them as much as I do, you'll go through hell for them without a second thought. And you'll find out that the enemy hates Beth Dekun. He hates what we do. He hates the way we serve this flock and, and obey God. He hates it with a white-hot passion. And so as an elder, I want you to always remember the pain over the last you've experienced, we've all experienced over the last couple of months, the suspicions, the stress. How many of you lost sleep? a night or two over the last couple of months, yeah? That misery, the doubt, the confusion, all of that is called spiritual warfare. And the good news is, we won. We won as a team. But that's what spiritual warfare feels like. Because the warfare in every one of us took place right here, that six inches between our ears. And you know our brains are like a room without a door, and the enemy could just go by and toss a thought in and keep on going. And then that thought will, will roil around in there. It'll, it'll, it'll drive feelings and emotions and doubts and suspicions, and he, he loves it. But we beat him. And we're here as brothers. And um, one of you called me today. I'm not going to embarrass him. One of you called today. He said, Grant, I don't know how I ever could have thought those things about you that I did. Would you please forgive me? And, of course, with a full heart, forgave. But I told him, I says, but here's the news. That wasn't your thoughts. That wasn't your thoughts. That was the enemy who threw that thought in there. You didn't come up with that. This is why we have to take every thought captive to the obedience of Messiah. This is why we take every thought captive and say, okay, I got this thought here, but I don't know where that came from. I'm sticking it over here in a lockbox until I find the truth. And then I'll know what to do with that thought. But until I know where that thought came from, I'm not allowed to play havoc inside my mind, inside my emotions. That takes such a, that's so difficult. And so I'm making shepherding <laughs> sound like a pretty miserable job, I know. But it is, in some ways, it's like warfare, it's like combat. And why would any sane person sign up to go into combat? Nobody goes into combat because they like 
being shot at. They don't like the blood and guts. Nobody likes that. You'd have to be insane to like that. So why do people like why do people like your son-in-law Quentin sign up in the Marines to go into combat? Only one reason. Love. They're willing to put their life on the line out of love for their family, for their country. And if there's any other motivation for going through the kind of hell that you've experienced and will experience in the future, that has to be the one. Because you're not here to do your will. You're not here to do the sheep's will. You're here to do God's will, and Satan hates that because he is Satan's enemy. And when you align yourself in the service of the king, you really become his enemy. So you know what? I've often thought, why was this rollout of this new direction of Beth the Coon, why was it so clunky and, <laughs> and, and, and it, why was it so sloppy? This is not Beth the Coon style. And I thought, Lord, what's this? It, but I look back at it now and I see God's wisdom all over it. So all of us could go through the fire. All of us could go through some real spiritual warfare. We could wrestle with thoughts and emotions that came from the enemy come out the other end and say that was horrible I never want to do that again but then do it again when, when it's time but then do better then after that you do better and you do better but this is what's in store for anyone who's going to be a shepherd of a flock okay there'll be sleepless nights there'll be some wounds and some scars there'll be stress it'll put stress on your marriage it'll put stress on your family to a great degree my two sons paid the price of me shepherding a flock and that was a flaw in my leadership don't repeat that flaw and that's something we'll talk about at another time and also with every shepherding board including the men sitting right here there's a Judas there's a Judas I don't know who the Judas is but I know good and well it could very well be me when Yeshua said one of you is going to betray me they don't say yeah I know it's Judas over here that's who it is they all acted exactly the way they should they were spiritual men they said is it I? That's the Judas you have to worry about. Every one of us can be in that position of being a Judas. And your question should always be, Lord, don't let me mess it up. Don't let me the, be the one who's weak. Judas, he went out to perform miracles to the other apostles. He cast out demons to the other apostles. He spread the gospel of the kingdom to the other apostles. And none of them looked at him, suspecting him of being the betrayer. They all said, is it I? They all realized I have in myself potential to betray this group. So the only Judas each of you needs to worry about is the one inside of you and the one inside of me. I know you think I'm half joking when I tell you every day, especially on Shabbat when I walk into Beth the Coon, my prayer is, Lord, don't let me screw it up. That's no joke. Because I realize my ability to be a Judas. To betray my Lord because I'm in a bad mood. Because I'm just tired. Because I've got this great idea. I've got a, I'm going to go my way. 
And I think Judas had all kinds of great intentions. You know, people have written books about him that he really wanted to force Yeshua's hand. He wanted to promote the kingdom. So he thought, you know, if I force Yeshua's hand by going to the Pharisees, he'll half proclaim himself as Messiah and kick out the Romans. And he turned out being Judas. Can't trust ourselves. Okay? And I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest. I trust this board of, of men right here I'm sitting with a lot more than I trust me. I feel safe when I'm with you. I want you all to have that same attitude. Okay? One last thing. I want to read a passage to you with these tight glasses. <laughs> And, and, and <laughs> what's that? <laughs> oh, well, they feel like they cost a dollar. So. <laughs> We're kidding. <laughs> In Deuteronomy 20, this passage has been going through my mind here recently. God gives instruction for when the people get ready to go into warfare to, to besiege a city. And so before they go in, before they go into battle, God, God, first of all, he has the priest tell them, you should not fear them, for Adonai, your God is with you, brought you up from the land of Egypt, don't be afraid. And the Kohen, the priest, will go and speak. And he'll say, hear, O Israel, today you're coming near to the battle against your enemies. Don't let your heart be faint. Do not be afraid. Do not panic. Do not be broken before them. For Adonai, your God, is the one who goes with you to fight for you with your enemies to save you. And then he says, Then the officers shall speak to the people, saying, Who is the man who has built a new house and has not inaugurated or dedicated it? Let him go home, lest he die in the war and another man will inaugurate it. In other words, if there's something important in your life, and building a house is a good thing, but if you're in the midst of building a house, if you're in the midst of building something, you're in the midst of doing something that will keep you from giving the proper amount of attention to being a shepherding elder or being a governing elder, an elder, then it's okay. Take a break. Step back. It's perfectly fine. God gives you permission. When your house is done, then say, okay, my house is done. I'm ready to step back up to the plate. You understand? Take advantage of what God's telling you here. This is good. Because if you come in here and your mind is someplace else and your energies are someplace else, you're not going to do a very good job. And it's going to discourage you, brothers. Don't do that. Do what God gives you to do and come back and then do the work, take up the work again that God has for you in the community. He says, who is the man who has planted a vineyard and not redeemed it? Let him go and return to his house. Lest he die in the war, another man will redeem it. Who is the man who has betrothed the woman, not married her? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in the war and another man marry her. And then, this is the, the catch. The officer shall continue speaking to the people and say, Who is the man who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house. There's no shame. You can go do it. Let him not melt the heart of his fellows like his heart. When the officers have finished speaking to the people, the leaders of the legion shall take command at the head of the people. In other words, if there's fear, there's a lack of courage that you sense, maybe you just need to take a break. Just take a break. Don't discourage the hearts of your brothers. But when everybody's determined, 
you all know what you're ready to do, you're ready to do it, then you take your position at the head of the people and the enemy doesn't get to the flock unless they get through you. You understand? You're the wall of protection between the enemy and the community. Does that make sense? This is very real stuff. And I thank God for all the pain and agony and stress of the last couple of months. Because if you ever doubted <clears throat> this was real before, you don't doubt it now. Right? So I look in your eyes. I see you love me. I know you love me. I love you too. I see you love each other. There's no division here. There's none. There's zero. It was all a fantasy. It was all an imagination. It was all a fraud. It was all a lie. We all want the same thing. And that's the best thing for Beth the Coon over the dark days ahead as we lead them into the uncertain future. It's certain to God, but he's unveiling it to us a day at a time. We all want the same thing. We want productive families. We want wonderful children who are fulfilled and, and grew up in Torah. We want good marriages. We want a great, thriving, fruitful community. We all want the same thing. Right? Amen? Amen? Okay. So, with that, I'm just going to turn off the tape and we'll continue this. It won't be quite as intense next time, I hope. I can't do this too often. But uh, I hope that these words to you guys and to the community, whoever listens to these, will have a, a better idea of what your elders are going through so you can pray for these men because they're the ones in the front lines. And, uh, and I can attest to you now and go on the record that these are godly men, good men, who are sold out to the Lord. Okay. So with that, we'll say goodbye. <laughs>